if we had any doubt about the power of fire and water, we have seen it this week, haven't we, in our country, uh, both that massive fire just over in Woolston in the uh, scrap metal yard with, um, I heard it reported, 500 cars on fire. I'm not sure if that can be true. Uh, in a pile, it was said, five stories high. Uh, and as we know, filling the neighbourhood with smoke uh, from burning tyres. And then, of course, the heartbreaking photos of the floods in Nelson Marlborough and further north uh, in the North Island as well, as overflowing rivers and floodwaters inundated houses and caused slips on saturated hills. And our hearts are very much uh, with our families and friends, wherever they are, and those on that big clean-up today. We hope we can send them some of this uh, fine weather. Of course, I've seen some of those same hills in Nelson burning in summer bushfires, uh, hovered over by helicopters with monsoon buckets, just as we have here in our own Port Hills. And we know that the next months and years uh, will need to involve considerable replanting. My uh, brother works for Nelmac, the parks and reserves in Nelson, and I know he will be out there busy planting agapanthus, uh, which seems to be the, the plant of choice to try and hold up and get those hillsides to hold together. Uh, so much replanting of trees and plants to stabilise land and hillsides in our land. We are challenged considerably to consider the impacts of climate change on our own weather and environment and to act. Uh, one of the calls of the recent Lambeth conference is to uh, create what's been called an Anglican communion forest, um, not just in one place, but around the world by local initiatives of reforestation, of planting indigenous plants, uh, restoration of wetlands and coastlands to mitigate the effects of climate change. And I wonder what our contribution will be in Aotearoa, New Zealand and Polynesia, uh, particularly as we think of our vulnerable islands of the Pacific. And I found it encouraging uh, to read this week in Anjan Taonga of the community gardens that Bishop Richard and Mary, I think particularly has uh, been behind this, Mary Wallace, have uh, developed in the Phillipstown uh, Te Waipunamu Church complex including uh, fruit trees uh, bearing fruit and uh, uh, harakiki flax along the boundary lines uh, for weaving, uh, for example, for tukutuku panels such as we have here. And I wonder what is something that we can do to show our care and stewardship for our local environment and waterways. Uh, Lynn Kim has been our echo champion in recent times, but she leaves at the end of this month uh, to return to South Korea and who will take up the mantle and champion the environmental cause among us, uh, not on their own, of course, but encouraging us all to play our part. Well, uh, reading from the letter to the Hebrews today, uh, this morning reminded me of my visit to Mount Sinai on the Sinai Peninsula some, some years ago now. Um, if you can see that we halo at the top, that's people, that's where the people are, so you can see how big it is. I'll never forget that uh, volcanic rock, the slippery shale that we climbed over and which the camels planted their heavy feet on very carefully to avoid falling. That arid, hot environment where we relied totally on the Bedouin accompanying us for water and for food 
uh, and the reminders we were constantly given about the dangers of fire uh, in the desert where water was such a scarce and valued commodity. We were given um, matches, but they were to burn our toilet paper. That was our environment. We were all terrified we were going to set the desert on fire and create a burning bush in the wrong place. Water uh, was so valued and so important. What a powerful picture we were given in that reading of the giving of the law um, of the old covenant to Moses, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. This is an image from the St. John's Bible, which tries to convey uh, through art um, that awesome, terrifying even experience. It's described almost as like a volcanic eruption uh, on Sinai with blazing fire, darkness, tempest, uh, thunder and lightning, trumpet blast, the people terrified, and even the great Moses in fear and trembling. What a contrast that is with the second picture uh, we are given, the privilege we have already received in Jesus to be heirs of the new covenant of which he is the mediator, the one whose cross reconciled a holy God with a broken humanity, reunifying heaven and earth. And that writer to the Hebrews piles up the metaphors of the kingdom of God, which we are already privileged to be part of. We have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Angels in festal gathering, the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, to God the judge of all, the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant sealed in his sprinkled blood. I think uh, so much of what we say in our Eucharistic prayer, we join with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven as we gather in Christ's name. In Jesus, we are already living in this kingdom which cannot be shaken. And for us here, of course, who have been shaken by so many events over recent years, the quakes, the fires, the mosque attacks, covid we hold on even more strongly to that which cannot be shaken, cannot be taken from us, even by fire or flood, and that includes our very lives. What is our response to that awesome promise? We come and we are grateful. We give thanks. We offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire may not be a very comfortable image for us, and yet we hold in our minds and in our mind's eye Moses called by God at the burning bush where he is on holy ground. We recall how fire is used to purge and refine, to burn away the dross and leave that shining molten metal. We recall, as we sang earlier, the tongues of fire of Pentecost, symbol of the light and power of the Holy Spirit. I think of the words of uh, a favourite hymn of us all, which we're going to sing later on today. Be still, for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is here. Come bow before him now in reverence and fear. In him no sin is found, we stand on holy ground. 
just like Moses. And then that uh, image there of the glory of the Lord. He burns with holy fire. With splendor he is crowned. How awesome is the sight, our radiant king of light, the glory of the Lord shining all around. And of course, one of the temptations always of our faith and of our church is to try to control that holiness and glory, to put a fence around a law given to set good boundaries, but so that in the end, there ends up no place for mercy and for the love of God. And I think that's the challenge that Jesus throws out to us in his healing of that unnamed woman in our gospel reading. It's uh, so easy for the woman almost to get lost in the story, to just become the, the pretext for an argument between two religious leaders about what can be considered work on the Sabbath. But let's notice her. She appears in the synagogue. It seems this is a place that she knows, and perhaps she is well known. Her story certainly is that she has been disabled like this for 18 years, bent over, quite unable to stand up straight. We don't know why. Perhaps it's some illness or progressive disability, or perhaps it's a result of a life of hard work, of carrying burdens, of caring for others. Whatever it is, it seems that she flies under the radar. Perhaps nobody notices her anymore. Perhaps she is literally beneath people. But Jesus sees her, calls her over, takes the initiative, tells her, woman, you are free from your ailment, lays hands on her, touches her. She stands up straight and begins praising God. Then comes the quibbling about whether this work should have been done on the Sabbath. But Jesus doesn't forget the woman. You would feed your animals on the Sabbath. How much more should this daughter of Abraham receive healing, freedom from bondage on the Sabbath day? What better day that she might freely join in the praises of God with God's people? This is the only time actually that title, Daughter of Abraham, appears in the scriptures. And it's matched by Jesus calling Zacchaeus, who was another marginalized, forgotten figure, he was called a son of Abraham. So they are both restored to the community of God's people, no longer overlooked or pushed to the edge. And I chose that picture because I think it does show that Jesus also had to reach out to the woman to bring her healing. He didn't just zap her from across the room. He laid his hands upon her. Perhaps he had to bend over to do so. It reminds me of the time later on that Jesus too was bent over carrying the cross on the road to Golgotha with the women of Jerusalem bending over him, seeking to offer him solace. Simon of Cyrene in turn bending over to take up Jesus' cross to ease his burden for at least some part of that journey. We heard a few weeks ago, the prophet Hosea speaks of God being to Israel like those who lift infants to their cheeks, 
I bent down to them, God says, and fed them. Beautiful image. And we too are called to be those who bend over to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes that may mean lifting up, metaphorically speaking, those bowed down in our prayers and bringing them to Christ as we perhaps light a candle for them, hold them within God's presence. Sometimes it might mean actually literally bending down ourselves, perhaps to a toddler, or perhaps even sitting with someone on the floor. Been a bit challenged by that at youth group lately. Uh, Being with someone as they are feeling perhaps weighed down by their responsibilities or worries or expectations. Sometimes we're there to weep with those who weep, other times to rejoice with those who rejoice, just as the crowd delighted did for this woman. And sometimes to record together, as I sat with someone the other day towards the end of their life, God's faithfulness through our lifespan, from infancy through youth to old age, as our sentence, our beautiful sentence from the Psalms today says. Sometimes we're called to bring someone else into the faithful, healing presence of God with us as we gather for communion, prayer and worship. Let's hear the last verse of the hymn that we will sing soon. Be still for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. He comes to cleanse and heal, to minister his grace. No work too hard for him. In faith, receive from him. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this faith. May it be so here among us. In Jesus' name. Amen.